I think this year what I've really learned is that if you have your own back, you can sit in those uncomfortable moments, those moments of uncertainty, um, those moments of conflict, of turmoil, where, you know, nothing seems the way that you thought it was. You can sit in those moments with a level of confidence and compassion and grace because you know that no matter what happens, you'll be okay. Welcome to the Cosmic Laundry Podcast. I'm your host, Giselle Plamondon. I'm a clinical counselor and psychological astrologer, and I started this podcast to have real, grounded conversations and to bridge the gap between the spiritual and the mundane. On this podcast, we take mystical topics and we talk about them in a deep and impactful way. Every conversation is astrology infused, and it's my intention that each episode brings you into a deeper experience of your own humanness and your own divinity. You are divine, you are here for a reason, and no matter what you do or who you are, I believe that you have powerful magic to give to the world. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode. So you've probably noticed that it's a little bit late. Uh, The reason for that is just that I honestly put it off. I did not want to record this because it is hella emotional, very vulnerable, and I wanted to make sure that I tackled it um, from the right perspective. So In this episode, I get into the uh, progressed lunar return and my experience with it. You'll notice that a few times the audio cuts out and cuts back in. Um, I'm still having tech issues. I need to like hire an assistant or something so they can figure all that stuff out for me. Um, But this is a very powerful episode for anybody that is 25, 26, 27, or anyone that looks back on being 27 and is like, why was that so hard? Uh, That's really what I'm talking about today. And, you know, some of the overarching themes of, of what I go into in this episode are things like codependence, boundaries, relationships, breakups, healing, and most importantly, unconditional love. This was a year of me really learning what it means to love myself and what it means to unconditionally love somebody else. So I hope, yeah, I just hope this resonates and I hope you guys get something out of this um, because I know that you know, sharing stories is really powerful. And there aren't a lot of conversations being had right now about the progressed lunar return. And I really wanted to open up some space for this conversation. Okay, so 
I think I'm ready. I have been putting off recording this for a while because this is a very vulnerable and touchy conversation that I'm going to be having with myself, with you. Um, And I also just want to do it right because the progressed lunar return, which is really what we're talking about today, is not something that is talked about a lot outside of the astrological community. Uh, It's not one of those things like the Saturn return that everybody kind of knows of. You know, you can hop onto Google and just type in Saturn return and you'll get so much information that is digestible and easy to understand. The progressed lunar return is not the same. Uh, You have to have a certain level of, you know, astrology knowledge in order for it to make sense. But... I think that it is just as important and just as significant for our long-term growth as the Saturn return, if not more. So in this episode, it's really going to have a few parts. I'm going to explain what the progressed lunar return is and, you know, what happens during it and why, uh, you know, what the astrology community really has to say about it. I'm going to be talking about the 27 Club a little bit, really briefly. And then I'm going to be talking about my own experience with the progressed lunar return and, you know, how I navigated it. And really, you know, I really feel that I used this time wisely and that I got the most growth that I possibly could out of this year. And through these lessons and these challenges, and I'm really proud of that. I wouldn't be sharing, you know, these things that I had learned if I didn't feel that I had really leaned into the work. I have grown so much in this last year, and I want to share with you guys some of my experiences so that you know what to expect if you're coming up on, you know, turning 27. Um... And also just for people who are coming out of it or who look back at being 27 and are like, that was really fucking hard. Why was it so hard? This will hopefully, you know, give you some perspective and help you to understand that that everything happens in cycles. And as I always say, every season has its reason. So the first thing that I want to let you guys know is that... This is not a really, really difficult time for everybody. It really depends on what else is going on in your chart. And if you have a really well-aspected natal moon, the progressed lunar return can be really, really fun and expansive. And there can be amazing things that happen. But if you are like me and like most people, and you have a more difficult moon, meaning that the moon in your birth chart is connected to malefics like Saturn or Pluto or Mars, um, your progressed lunar return will likely be difficult. It will be a period of inner turmoil and it'll be really a time of growing up. And it's that for all of us, but some of us get the lessons quicker and easier. 
You know, it's more gentle. Uh, For me, it was not gentle. This was by far the hardest year of my adult life. I did not think that anything could top the difficulty of 2016, which I, up until this point, always said was the hardest year of my adult life. Um, This topped it. It took the fucking cake. It was so, so, so hard. And I look back at where I was, you know, to this day a year ago, and I can't even believe that, you know, I'm the same person, that that those two people are the same person. Because, you know, and I also just can't really believe that I got through it. Because there were moments last year, especially last spring, last May, June, July, where I really thought I was dying. Like, there was, it was such a heavy death, is what it felt like. There was so much grief moving through me and moving through my body, and I just couldn't handle it. Like, I really... I went through it, guys. I I really, really went through it. And so we're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to get into my story a little bit and and share some of that with you. So, okay. What's the first thing that you guys need to know? The progressed lunar return. I'm not going to get too deep into the the deep astrology of it because it's kind of complex. But essentially, this is what astrologers use when they do predictive astrology. So I really think about astrology having, you know, two kind of limbs. Actually, there's more. But if we're looking at personal astrology, there's two limbs. There is the self-reflection and self-development limb, which is really about your natal chart and about looking at your natal chart and discovering who am I? Like, what are my inherent strengths? What are my inherent weaknesses? What am I here to do? What's my dharma? How do I approach love and money and connection and friendship and all of these different things? That part of astrology is really the study of the self. Then on top of that, we have the second part of astrology, which is really the study of cycles. And this is this understanding that we are all constantly going through a transformation process. It happens slowly and it happens in phases. So sometimes we don't even know that we're changing or we're transforming until we look back and see how much has changed. But this part of astrology is really the study of how we grow and evolve over a lifetime. So your natal chart, your birth chart, will never change. That is always who you are. It's a map of your entire life. But your progressed chart tells us about the cycles that you're moving through and how you're evolving through life, okay? And so before the age of 27, really even before the age of 30, your progressed chart is not... Like, it's not super important. There's not a lot that changes in your progress chart during that time because essentially what the progressed chart is, is it is, okay, I'm trying to like wrap my brain around how to explain this to you without being able to show you a chart. Essentially, your birth chart 
tells us about your first year of life, okay? And then the day after you were born, so for me on, you know, May 23rd, 1992, that tells me about my second year of life, okay? So if I want to know about my 27th year of life, I have to pull up the chart of, you know, whatever day was 27 days after the date that I was born, okay? And so not a lot changes astrologically in 27 days. You might have, you know, Mercury change or Mars or Venus. Some of you will have the sun changed. The only thing that really changes significantly is the moon. The moon will change signs every two and a half years. And so the moon in the progress chart has a lot to do with our cycles of inner growth. I can look at somebody's progress chart and know what their emotional self, because that's what the moon represents. I can know what their emotional self is craving in terms of what sort of experiences they need to go through in order for them to be able to connect more deeply into themselves. So at around the age of 27, the moon in the progress chart will come back to the same degree that it was at when we were born. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about the progressed lunar return. In this podcast, I'm just going to refer to it as the lunar return because I don't want to say the whole thing 400 different times. Um, but just know that you actually have a lunar return every month. Okay? So... The progressed lunar return that happens at 27 or somewhere in between 27 and 28 is really a time of emotional maturing. So your Saturn return, which comes afterwards, is about discipline and structure, and there's a lot of external change, but your lunar return, which is, you know, the year before, is an internal change. I really think about this as the, you know, emotionally getting ready. It's like the prep work for the Saturn return, right? So if you think about, um, if you have a, a big project that you're doing, um, or even, you know, say you have like a big game, if we're going to use the sports analogy, you would you know, really prepare for that beforehand um, by taking care of yourself. There's certain things you do the day before game day to make sure that you are, you know, at your best on game day. And so this is really what the 27 year does. And so for some of us, we really will come out of this year feeling stronger, feeling healthier, feeling happier. And for some of us, we will um, really move deeper into our addictions, into um, our, you know, negative behaviors, into certain thought patterns that don't serve us. And so the best way that I like to think of it is that the progressed, you know, lunar return can either be an upward spiral or a downward spiral. And it really depends on how much emotional resilience you're able to cultivate during that time. So this is why the 27 Club is a thing, right? This is why so many famous, you know, singers, musicians, painters, poets, public figures, whatever, um, are known 
for not making it through their 27th year of life. And for most of those people, the thing was not like a car accident or um, something external. It was, you know, their death was due to their own internal battles with addiction and mental health. And so I don't want to scare you guys like Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, uh, Kurt Cobain, they all had very, very afflicted and difficult moons. Um, They had a lot of predisposition predisposition for addiction and mental health issues in their birth chart. So I am not saying by any means that when you turn 27, you're going to all of a sudden develop an addiction or a mental health issue. That's not what I'm saying. But any sort of behavior that has been running in the background throughout your 20s will come out in, you know, it's fullest form or its fullest expression during the, you know, 27 year. And you get to decide what you're doing with that. So I really like to think about it as like, should I keep going as is? Like, is this really the type of person that I want to be? Is this really the type of life that I want to live? When I look back in 50 years, if I can continue, if I can continue, wow, can't speak today. Um, if I continue on this path, if I continue treating people this way, if I continue treating myself this way, if I continue making these decisions, am I going to be proud of who I am? And those are the questions that really start to sit in at 27. We really have this internal tension of not knowing um, or being aware of who we want to be quite yet. And often what's happening during this phase is we are learning how to be our own parent. It's really a time of emotional maturing. So we no longer can rely on our parents and the people that we previously relied on uh, for certain things. So we really have to start to parent ourselves. We have to start setting boundaries with ourselves and we have to start getting really clear about the behaviors that we're engaging in that aren't serving us or that are hurting us or that are hurting other people. And so this is a really like emotional time. All of your old childhood stuff will come up during this time. Any unresolved guilt or pain or trauma from previous relationships will come up. Like any emotional thing that hasn't been dealt with will surface. And it's really because the moon rules our inner world. It rules our emotional body. And it's deeply connected to our mother, to our attachment style, and whether we have a healthy or a non-healthy attachment with our original caregivers, and how we play that out in relationships with other people. It's also connected to our ancestry and our lineage and any sort of, you know, trauma that we're carrying um, from generation to generation. And so at 27, all of this stuff comes up so that we can start to look at it and deal with it and figure out, okay, do I want to carry on, you know, on this path and and do things the way that my mom did and my grandma did or my dad did and my grandpa did? 
Or do I want to do this differently? Do I want to have a different experience of life? And 27 is really when we become aware of the fact that we are emotionally responsible for ourselves. We can, you know, it's really when we start to realize that we can't blame other people for where we at or for who we are. And there's a lot, you know, that's sobering when you can no longer play the victim because you start to see how you create your own shit. Like this is really the year where you look at your life and you go, I am in a pile of shit and there's nobody that I can blame other than myself. I created this. And this is, you know, on one hand, it's really empowering because we get to see how powerful we are and how you know, quickly we can change things. We get to see that everything in our lives is by our design, the good, the bad, and everything in between. But it's also really hard because it's kind of like the lens comes off and we can no longer see those things and not realize that they are our own doing. And therefore, uh, during the 27 year we can really be overcome by guilt, by shame, um, and just like really intense, deep emotion. And this is, you know, from my perspective, really what, you know, has happened for so many of these celebrities that we look at in the 27 Club. They had all of their emotional stuff surface and come up and they weren't equipped to deal with it. Um, they didn't know how to move up, you know, on the, the upward spiral. And so instead, they, they took the downward spiral journey. Uh, and that's really the choice that you have during this year. And even during, you know, 28, 29, because the Saturn return is an extension of of this transit. Um but you really get to decide. You get to take an inventory of your life and say, what is working? Okay, I'm going to keep those things. And what's not working? I need to do something different here. And if you choose to do something different, you will be rewarded for it. The only thing though, is that the moon is the most internal part of the chart, the moon and the IC. It's the part of us that is so hidden and that we don't allow other people uh, to, to see. It's really the part of us that only our really close you know, family members and friends and partners and stuff get to see. Even for most people, only their parents and their siblings and their romantic partners get to see their moon. And so there's a lot of vulnerability hidden and held within the moon. Uh, and starting to do the work of becoming your own parent means that you have to start looking at your emotional world. And you have to start holding space for your emotional world. And so for people who haven't been able to do that or who were never taught to do that, this is really hard. It's it's like parenting. You become a parent even if you don't have children you, because you are now becoming a parent to yourself. And I really applaud anyone that goes through the 27-year 
and comes out of that year more emotionally resilient because you are literally breaking habits and patterns that have been passed on to you. And later when I get into my personal story and talking about this year, I will explain, you know, why that is and what that looks like. But for many of us, the lessons hidden within our moon sign in in our birth chart are connected to the lessons that our family lineage has been trying to transmute and work through. And there's a lot of It's really like, it's just really fucking hard. Okay, so now we're going to get into the juicy stuff, the personal stuff uh, and my own experience. So this is really personal. I am low-key terrified because this is the most vulnerable I have ever got on a public platform. And I don't know how I'm going to feel. I know that I will have a massive emotional vulnerability hangover after I release this episode. But I also know that these stories have so much power. I know that for myself, if I hadn't had access to other people's stories of the things that they had experienced and the pain that they had went through, I don't know if I would have got through this past year. I mean, obviously I would have, but I would have felt a lot more alone. And it really solidified for me that I always want to be real with my clients and, you know, with my listeners and with the people that follow me because it's really easy to talk only about the highs and and only about the good things that happen to us but the real you know meat of who we are comes through the difficult moments and comes through these times where we're really forced to look ourselves in the eye and really come to terms with what is in front of us And so this past year was emotionally so fucking hard. And I honestly, like when I say that I wasn't sure how I was going to get through it, I really was not sure how I was going to get through it. I didn't think I would ever feel okay again. And even like going back into talking about you know, this experience is making me emotional right now because it's kind of like transporting me back in time to where I was a year ago when I was totally and completely devastated. And one thing that I'm very aware of is that my story is intertwined with so many other people's stories. And these are people that I care about. These are people that, um, you know, have meant something to me, mean something to me. And so I also have been trying to think of a way to have this conversation with you guys or, you know, to share these experiences with you guys while also being respectful of my family and my friends and, um, you know, partners and things like that. So... I'm going to share as much as I personally feel comfortable sharing. Uh, I really do believe the 
or I guess like it's not a matter of believing, but one of the quotes that I always kind of come back to is the Brene Brown quote about vulnerability and about how vulnerability needs to be earned. And I feel that no matter how you know, deep I get into like the public eye, I think there will still always be parts of my story that I keep to myself. And I'm coming to terms with the fact that that's okay. And so I'm going to try to share all of this wisdom and all of these experiences in a cohesive way. Um, while still, you know, maintaining a level of, um, I guess, you know, making the conversation feel safe. So, okay, where do I even fucking start? This was a wild year. Um, maybe I'll just start with literally go like month by month kind of and share with you guys some of the things that were coming up and some of the overall themes. So as most of you know, I met a man in 2017, who, um, you know, we had kind of a whirlwind romance. Like we met while I was on vacation in Hawaii. Um, it was like the wildest, craziest, you know, connection I've ever experienced. And I'm not sure I will ever experience anything like that again. And I remember just like the day after meeting him being like, wow, that guy, like, I just feel so safe with him. I don't know what it is. Like he feels like home. There were all these different things. And that feeling was mutual. So even though I live in Canada and he lives in Hawaii, um, we decided to, you know, start relationship. And so from, you know, 2017 up until I guess technically this previous December, but really things came to a head and kind of ended uh, last May. Um, we dated long term and not long term, long distance and long term. And really we're in, you know, the process of trying to figure out how we were going to make this work. And I really wanted to move to Hawaii. And I mean, I still want to move to Hawaii. That is my sole home. I feel so just drawn to Hawaii and I, I feel very much myself there. And so that's still a, a massive part of the plan. But he and I were in the process of really trying to figure out how we were going to make us work long term because long distance, let me tell you, is really, really hard. It is not for the faint of heart. And I know for a fact that if he wasn't who he is, I would never have agreed to do long distance. But our connection was really strong and I really, it was one of those things where I'm not sure if you guys have ever had this experience, but you know how when you're like in love with someone, you really are just like kind of infatuated with them, in love with them, but then there's, you know, this other type of connection where it's like, even if we don't end up in relationship or we don't pursue something, I really deeply care about you. Like, I just want you to be, you know, healthy and happy and to live a good life because I care about you as a person, as a human being. Um, 
this was the first time I'd ever really experienced that. A lot of my previous relationships, I think there was a lot of selfishness on my part and just really wanting to get my needs met, wanting to get attention or get my ego stroked or things like that. There wasn't a lot of, um, there really wasn't a lot of depth in my previous relationships. And so I think this was really the first time that I was able to be emotional and open and vulnerable and to really allow myself to be seen. And I think that that was, you know, twofold. Part of it was my own work and my own connection to myself, which allowed me to be open with him. And then part of it was him. Part of it was the energy that he, you know, carried within himself and and his strength and his ability to make me feel safe in expressing emotions and all of these different things. And so the reason that I'm telling you guys this backstory is because it's really important for understanding some of the lessons that needed to come up during the breakup and during my, you know, 27 year. And so kind of like interwoven with this story of meeting him, falling in love, really connecting with him, developing a deep connection with his family, um, is this story of like my codependence with my own family. Um, This story of always kind of needing to be part of a family unit and needing to belong to someone. That's a huge part of my personal story um, and part of my birth chart. So one of the things that really was illuminated for me this year is the, the sun in my birth chart. So I am a Gemini sun, which Geminis are naturally very independent. Um, and I am that for sure. I would consider myself to be independent and free-spirited and all of these different things. But my son is a little bit different than a classic Gemini son. I have the sun conjunct Venus in my birth chart. And so does Ariel. So that's an important thing to keep in mind for, for this story, um, which makes me very prone to people pleasing and being very charming and, you know, really being able to morph into what the people around me want and need. And then I have the sun in the seventh house. And this is the house in, you know, the birth chart where the sun likes to be the least because the sun is really about our individuality. It's about our ability to be ourselves and to shine and to be strong and to have energy um, and to be seen. That's really what the sun is about. It's really deeply connected to our ego. And the seventh house is the house of of the other. It's the house of the mirror. It's the house of partnership and, and, you know, divine connection with other people. And so one of the things that happens when you have the sun in that house, the house of the other in your birth chart, is it creates, you know, an inclination uh, to getting your needs met through other people, um, and particularly your ego needs. So I am very drawn to people that are confident and magnetic and proud and powerful, because that is what the sun represents. And I have a tendency to get my, you know, strength 
from the people that I'm close to. So I used to do that with my sister. Now we have a bit of a healthier relationship. I'm able to be my own, you know, independent individual from her. I used to really function as like her cheerleader and I still am in some ways, but um, I used to really push her to shine and then um, I would kind of like be in the background, kind of like trying to push her forward. And, and somewhere in my 20s, I realized that um, there are things about me that, that I need to like bring out and, and um, you know, things about me that need to be seen as well. And so I kind of thought that I had worked through some of those issues of, um, you know, finding myself and my sense of self-worth through other people. I think a really good story or a really good way of, of explaining this is actually, so the sun represents what we're good at. It, it represents our gifts and our talents. And I remember being maybe 16 or 17 and talking to Chantel um, about her talents because she is incredibly talented. Like she, anything that she decides that she wants to do, she can just do it. She's athletic and artistic and intelligent and just kind of has like all of it. And so I remember, you know, watching her, I don't know if she was painting or drawing or something. And we were having a conversation and I said, like, I wish that I was good at things like you're good at things like you are just so good at everything you do. And she kind of like looked at me and she was like, well, you are really, really good at people like people love you. You know how to talk to people like people are your thing like that is your talent. And I remember being so grossed out like I was like, what an awful talent to have. And obviously, now that I'm older, I really appreciate that part of myself. I appreciate that I know how to be in relationship with other people. But this can come out in very negative ways. It can make people very codependent and very reliant on their partnerships, especially their romantic partnerships. And I, that has definitely been the case for me. I really grew up you know, in my childhood and my teens, like romanticizing about my future husband and um, just really like wanting to date the cool guy, the rich guy, the, you know, whoever I thought had the most kind of like status or power or things like that. Um, those have always been the people that I've been drawn to. And I've always dated very confident, powerful men. Um, you know, and Ariel was no exception. And this whole thing, the, the whole like tower moment that I just went through this past year was really about me learning how to be my own partner and how to be my own parent, how to love myself first and prioritize myself first and not put other people above me. And I know that that conversation is something that people are having a lot right now with the conversation about empaths and things like that. And I've always, there's never really been a lot of pride for me in that. Like there is sometimes for people who identify as empaths, like I don't think it's a cool thing to put other people above yourself. I've always um, 
really thought that having a strong sense of self and a strong self-worth is really important, which is why I spent so long in my early 20s single. So I, you know, was a serial dater from about 14 to 21. Um, and then like 22 to 25, I really cooled it on the relationships and focused on myself and thought that I had healed a lot of that codependent, you know, programming that I had. And I think that I had, this is the thing, I, healing comes in layers. So the the old version of me in, in my old codependence um, was really about, you know, surface level stuff. I really just depended on other people um, to make me feel like I belonged. That was the biggest thing. I mean, even like when I look at the guy that I dated in high school, um, he was like the center of his friend group and, and knew everyone. And, and by being in relationship with him, I got to belong. And I didn't have to do a lot of my own work to figure out how to belong or um, to kind of position myself in the group. I just naturally now had a position in the group. And that's what people with the sun in the seventh house tend to do. They get their sense of belonging and specialness through uh, their partnerships. And so I really worked through that during that time that I was single um, and really came to the terms or came to terms with, you know, loving myself and and being OK on my own. Like I really did get to a point where I was healthy Um and so this whole relationship with Ariel, the, the deeper layers of codependence that came through there was emotional codependence. So our relationship was very, very emotional and in so many good ways. And then in, in some bad ways, we um, I wouldn't say it was like a roller coaster. Like it's not like there was high highs and low lows, but we really got to experience. I mean, I guess I can't speak for him, but on my side of things, I really got to experience a level of emotional depth with him and with myself that I had never felt before. Like I, you know, before him had a tendency to repress my emotions, to really not feel them or to allow them to come to the surface. I played very small because I did not want to be seen and I was so scared of being called out or disappointing people. Um, and I didn't really have a strong backbone, to be honest. And I, I think sometimes when I tell people these things, they get very confused because the way that I am in, you know, my shadow self in those parts of me is not the way I present myself. I come across as very confident and very self-assured and very independent. And I am those things. But I am also just like, you know, how, you know, our shadow and our light are, are connected. So just as confident as we all are, um, there's a shadow side to that of, of being insecure and having a lack of confidence. And so that shadowy part of me um, was like really, really deeply hidden. And I was hiding it from other people and from myself. And so this relationship really functioned um, to propel me into growing um, and becoming a more well-rounded person. I 
um, really had to learn how to communicate my needs and my desires and what felt okay and what didn't feel okay because we were long distance and because he really pushed for that. Um, I think he's the only person that has ever really pushed me to speak up for myself and to stand up for myself. You know, sometimes we'd get into fights and I would just kind of like retreat and go like, you know, whatever you want, you're right. You can, you know, whatever. Um, and he would go like, no, like, that's not how we're doing this. You're not going to just like back away or shut down every time things don't feel good. And, you know, vice versa, he had to really learn how to you know, balance and compromise and come into the middle and not, um, you know, really push for his side of things. And one of the things that I think is really important to note, too, is that he and I are both 27. So I guess one thing I should note and let you guys know, too, is that um, I got permission from him to share this story. I would have shared it anyways in a, a very... Um, minute kind of way, not really sharing details or a lot of like the emotional experiences. Um, because I think it's really important to be, you know, integral and to have integrity in the things that we share publicly, especially if we're sharing about other people. Um, but I reached out to him yesterday and, uh, just made sure that, you know, me sharing these things with you guys felt okay with him. And, you know, he said yes and, and the whole thing. And so I think it's really important to note that he is also, you know, he just went through his 27 year. Um, we are the same age. We're actually literally like, I think, 27 days apart, you know, in terms of how far we were born. Um, and so he had a lot of lessons come up in this last year too. And this is one of the things that is really interesting about, you know, dating people that are the same age as you, because you will go through the same astrological cycles and you will um, experience growth at the same time. And so I always knew since I started studying astrology that 2019 would be huge for us. And I think I intuitively knew that it would be a make or break year. And it was exactly that. It was um, a year where we both had to really get clear on and look at the things that we hadn't been looking at. And so I'm, I'm not really going to talk about his end of things um, because that's not really fair. And I don't know what his experience was. But on my end of things, I really had to learn to take care of my heart and to choose me over everything. And that was hard. Choosing to walk away. Oh, wow, I'm getting really emotional. Um, choosing to walk away from a situation that, you know, was so hurtful. Like when I tell you that I went through it, I was like, I mean, I went through it. Like I had a solid two to three months where I didn't eat. Um, I barely slept. The only way I could 
you know, get to sleep was by, you know, um, taking CBD. I relied so heavily on my friends. That's another really big thing that happened for me this year was really learning how to rely on people and how to allow people to support me because that was something before I was always um, more independent and a bit of a lone wolf and would just, you know, when hard things would happen, I would just suck it up and be resilient and go it alone. And so this was the year that I really allowed myself to rely on the people that loved me. And I really started sharing my story <coughs> and getting more honest with myself about all of the ways that I get in my own way. And the biggest way that I do that is by prioritizing other people above myself. Um, the biggest way that I do that is by trusting other people that more than I trust myself. And that was another really huge lesson. I, you know, had had kind of like intuitive hits or, or um, I had had, you know, been having dreams or... Um, just kind of this idea that, that something was off and that there were things that I didn't know. And my intuition was constantly speaking to me like, girl, open your eyes. There's something you need to look at. Um, there's conversations that need to be had. And I think that was the hardest part when everything kind of blew up. Uh, the hardest part was the understanding that if we had been willing to have the hard conversations we might not have gotten to that point. We might not have had to, you know, break up. Um, but the, I think the, the biggest lesson with that was learning that my intuition is so powerful and not trusting it um, really puts me in a bad place. And, you know, even in the months up to the breakup, I was not myself. Um, and this is the thing that happens when you deny your intuition, when you deny your truth, and when you, you know, choose to put the blinders on and not ask the hard questions because you don't want to know. Um, everything gets out of whack because once you start to shut down that intuition, um, you shut down so many different things. And for me, especially my intuition is my superpower. It always has been, I have always trusted it so heavily. And this was really a lesson for me in constantly choosing to trust myself and trust that what I know and what I feel, um, even if I don't have a reason for knowing or feeling these things, um, trusting that that is accurate and trusting um, that I know best for myself. And so that was another huge thing that came up this year was I normally am an avid therapy goer. Um, I usually like love therapy, love coaching, things like that. This year I put that to a halt because I was in such a vulnerable state that I knew that I had to make some really tough decisions. I had to come to terms with things and start looking at things that I hadn't looked at. You know, things that I had put in a box you know, at a very young age and just kind of kept there. Um, I had to look at them. 
And they also knew that I have a tendency to trust other people's opinions more than I trust my own, especially about emotional things. Um, this is something that comes out when you have the moon and Saturn connected in your chart. It's, you know, a, an inability to trust your emotional world um, because it's chaotic and Saturn wants, you know, conformity. So I didn't go to therapy. I didn't... Um, read any sort of things about how to deal with, you know, any of the stuff that I was experiencing. The only thing that I relied on, aside from when I would go down the rabbit hole of, you know, certain like YouTube channels and stuff, but mostly the only thing that I relied on was my intuition and my heart. And every day, you know, even if the only thing I did that day was check in with how I was feeling and allow myself to feel those feelings, I can, would consider that a win. I'd be like, okay, I checked in. I um, expressed my emotions. I cried. I screamed. I threw things. I, you know, whatever I needed to do, I did it. And that was my priority for the entire year. And it, it still is. Like I still, every single day now, try to check in with how I'm feeling because I got so disconnected. And to be honest, I'm not sure that I've ever been really connected to my emotional world. That's something that I shut down when I was, you know, a kid. And that really made me vulnerable um, to not being, you know, authentic in myself um, and not having the hard conversations with myself of even knowing what I wanted or what I needed or, you know, any of that stuff. So I think the, the biggest thing with the breakup um, was coming to terms with the reality that somebody can love you deeply. Because I never doubted that in, in any of you know, the, the stuff and, and the shit storm that was 2019. I never doubted that, you know, he loved me or that I loved him. So what I had to come to terms with was the reality that somebody can love you and still hurt you. And up until that point, I didn't think that could happen. Um, I didn't think you know, I thought like if somebody loves you, they always, you know, do the right thing. They always um, prioritize you. They always whatever. But that's not necessarily true. What comes up in relationship is a reflection of our internal world. And so he and I were, you know, battling our own, you know, inner stuff, which is what happens when you have a relationship like that. Um, we were battling our own internal stuff with each other. Um, and that only really happens in relationships where there's a deep, powerful connection. Um, in the psychology world, we call it an imago match. It means that the characteristics of the person that you're in a relationship with um, really match the amalgamation of the characteristics of the caregivers you had when you were growing up. And so when that happens on both ends, when there's a deep attraction for one another, um, it's called an imago match. And these relationships bring up all of our stuff, like 
all of it. You cannot escape from your um, inner turmoil in these relationships. And and they're often um, very healing, very transformative. You come out of them a totally different person. Um, And usually you're complete opposites. You're totally different people and, and you learn to balance each other out. And so that was what happened. That was the experience that, um, you know, really happened. We both were playing out our own stuff on each other. And one of the things that I really had to come to terms with, and this is part of the 27 year, this is part of taking responsibility for your life, because that's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, I could easily have taken the heartbreak and wallowed in it and sat there and don't get me wrong I definitely did that um but I could easily have done that and played the victim and felt sorry for myself and threw myself a pity party and did the whole thing um and I've done that like in previous breakups and relationships I've done that I've played the victim I've did you know the the whole thing and and this time I really knew that I wanted to have a different experience throughout it. I I wanted to come out on the other side feeling like I had been my highest self. I knew that I wanted to be compassionate. I knew that I wanted to be graceful. And I knew that I wanted to allow space for both sides to be heard. And that was the most profound thing that I learned this year. So I, in the past, have always been highly reactive. If somebody hurts me, I shut down, I close them out, I lash out, I freak out, I um, try to hurt them back, usually with distance, right? So this is attachment style stuff. I have an anxious attachment style. Um, And I you know, tend when I get hurt to do like a push-pull kind of thing. Um, I hate you. You're the worst. You hurt me. Why would you do this? And then, you know, these are all the things that I did wrong and I'm so sorry. And so one of the things that I really honed in on throughout this year was like, who do I want to be? And, and what kind of person would I be proud to be? And I knew that I wanted to maintain a level of grace and compassion and connection um, that I had never really experienced during hard stuff before. I, it's easy to be those things when life is going good and when things are easy, but when everything comes crumbling down and you don't know what way is up, it is really hard to be compassionate and to be graceful and to be open and to be willing to hear another perspective. But I did that. And One of the things that I'm, you know, really, really proud of um, for myself and for him um, was our ability to have hard fucking conversations through the breakup. Um, And more so, I think, my ability, LOL, um, because it's really hard to hear someone else's side of things when you feel hurt and betrayed and 
um, like the rug has been pulled out from under you. But it's also really, really hard to be the person who hurts someone that you care about. And one of the things that I think was the most healing, and again, I can't speak for him, but I know for me, um, one of the things that was the most healing was those conversations, was being able to make sense of things and to um, have some form of, you know, closure surrounding it. So that was, I mean, really the big thing that happened um, was this breakup of this, you know, dream relationship where, you know, it was like literally everything that I'd ever wanted. Um, and it like overnight things changed. And it was like, I woke up in a nightmare that I had no awareness of. But I think the biggest thing that you know, came through for that, from that was a level of inner strength and resilience and connection to myself that I have never had before. Um, and like I said, I, I'm really, really proud of the way that I handled things. I'm really proud of my ability to be in the uncomfortable, uncertain space and to hear him and to share with him um, how he had hurt me and, you know, and to hear, you know, in return, some of the ways that I had hurt him. And so I think the, the biggest takeaway from that is that if you have your own back, like if you really know how to get what you want, which the truth is like, we all can have what we want. If you want a certain type of relationship or a certain type of career or a certain type of lifestyle, you can have that. And the only thing that's stopping you from having that is um, you not speaking up for it. And so I think this year, what I really learned is that if you have your own back, you can sit in those uncomfortable moments, those moments of uncertainty, um, those moments of conflict, of turmoil, where, you know, nothing seems the way that you thought it was. You can sit in those moments with a level of confidence and compassion and grace because you know that no matter what happens, you'll be okay. And I think that was the biggest thing for me. I constantly had to tell myself no matter what happens, you will be okay. No matter what happens, you will get through this and you will be okay. Um, and in all of this, I really began to see clearly for the first time how much I have always relied on people around me Um to take care of me in certain ways and to support me and to, you know, respond or to behave in a certain way that would make me feel okay. Um, part of, you know, the, the stickiness that I had to work through was understanding that my sensitivity sometimes would come out in very unhealthy ways. I would, um, you know, 
not want people to tell me the truth about things or to let me know when they were upset or to say when I hurt them because I I, I would then feel guilty. Um, and that was something that really came out a lot in um, my relationships. And so this really was the year that I became my own parent. So I released my parents from their responsibility for parenting me. Um, They're still my parents and I love them dearly, but my emotional well-being, my success in life, um, all of that is my responsibility now. And I think that that's something that... Um, some people get to it sooner, you know, the understanding that, you know, your parents were doing the best that they could, because I think that was another thing that has always come up for me in breakups. I've always, because of my attachment style and my background in psych and my understanding of how much our childhood dictates the way that we do relationship, I've always somewhat blamed my parents for certain things. And I think this was the year where I really realized that um, my parents are not to blame for the decisions that I make, um, for the way that I behave during conflict. Um, my parents are not to blame for how successful I am, how financially independent I am. All of that is on me. And the only person that I can blame for not being where I want to be emotionally, financially, um, spiritually, you know, you name it, uh, the only person that, that I can look to for that is myself. And so this was really a year of releasing um, the expectations that I place on other people to make me feel okay. And this is the common, um, you know, codependent kind of like manifesto. People who are naturally codependent, um, we have a tendency to take care of other people and to treat other people in a certain way with the expectation that they will do the same, the exact same in return. So it's kind of this thing of like, if I take care of you, then you have to take care of me. And what we forget or what we don't get in that doing is that giving to somebody because you're expecting something in return is not true giving. And, you know, expecting somebody else to manage your emotions or to not say certain things or to behave in a certain way because that makes you feel more comfortable, that is putting you um, at a massive disadvantage because you now are you know, just so deeply impacted by your environment because you don't know how to set boundaries. And though that that was a really, really huge thing um, that really came up for me this year. And, you know, in the intro to this, I talked about how a lot of times these lessons are lessons that are, you know, passed down from, you know, generation to generation. And I know I've talked in previous podcasts about, you know, my natal moon and my mom's natal moon and how similar they are. Like the way that we process and handle emotions is like literally identical almost. Not quite, but very similar. Um, and I think that really got illuminated for me when, you know, so as most people do after everything kind of went down, I was a hot mess, 
just like really needed to be taken care of. I went and spent, you know, a week, maybe it was two weeks with my mom and just let her really take care of me. And in some ways that for our relationship was such a blessing because we've always been like close. I've never been estranged from really anyone in my family. Um, But she really shared with me during that you know, period, some of the things that she had been going through at my age. And I start to see, started to see some of the, um, you know, just the lines of like, oh, this is mom's unfinished business, which was probably her mom's unfinished business. And then, you know, my grandma's unfinished business. And there was really this moment of, of this stops with me. Like, we aren't doing this anymore. Um, My daughters will not carry this. My sons will not carry this. Like, we are not doing this anymore. It also really allowed me to have deeper compassion for where she was at emotionally when I was young. Um, And again, it really helped to release some of that... um, just anger, like unresolved anger that I had about um, certain aspects of my childhood. And I think it's really important to know too that like that also was a massive part of the growing and the learning of this year. I have always had a tendency to not feel my feelings, anger included. And I don't like being angry. Anger makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel wrong, dirty, all of those different things. And so one of the things that happens is if you don't allow yourself to feel or experience anger, you become incredibly anxious because anger is your first line of defense. So if you don't allow yourself to get angry, it's really hard to set boundaries. So this year, I really had to come out of my, you know, conditioning of just being like, okay, everything's fine. Um, Everything's dandy, like kind of like spiritual bypassing. I'm the queen of bypassing my emotions. I've been doing it since I was very young. I always know how to find the bright side in any situation. And in order for me to really strengthen you know, my ability to come out of hard things with grace and connected to compassion and all of those things, I actually had to move backwards and come back into anger. So I had days where all I could do was just be so angry that my belly was burning. And I remember not knowing what was happening because I had shut that off for so long. I didn't know what anger felt like. I thought there were moments where I was like, am I having a heart attack? Like what is going on? And so this was also a year of connecting into anger. It wasn't all love and light and um, forgiveness. And I think that's a really, really important thing is when we go through hard things, especially if we are naturally more optimistic, naturally more positive, naturally more cheerful, you know, whatever. Um, People like that have a tendency to just make everything okay. And you actually have to learn how to go into the muck of it and really look at how hard things are and to allow yourself to be there. So this year was the first time where I've allowed myself to be angry 
where I've really allowed myself to be sad, where I allowed myself to grieve, where I allowed myself, like I said no to so many people so many times in so many different ways this year because I had to. And because I really knew that I needed to prioritize my own healing and to take care of myself and to put myself first. And so this was the year that I grew up. You know, long story short, uh, I grew up and this is a process. We are all constantly going to be going through these different, you know, phases in our lives where we're being asked to grow up. Um, but that was largely what happened. So, you know, to kind of like wrap it all up, I mean, those weren't the only things that happened. I had some, I really had to let go of some like codependence with my dad, with my brother. Um, I literally had to kick my brother out of my house because he wasn't paying rent and he was not, um, you know, treating me with respect. I never would have done that before. Like, I literally never would have done that. I have put up with so much stuff and vice versa. I, you know, I mean, he has been very kind to me and done a lot for me. Um, but we have had a very codependent relationship. I've had a very codependent financial relationship with my dad for a long time. And that really came to a head this year. Like I was forced to look at the consequences of my decisions, really. Um, this was a year of, of big consequences and big change. And, and I really had to learn how to forgive other people. I had to learn how to forgive myself. I had to learn to accept the parts of me that I didn't think were okay and how to stand on my own feet. I had to learn how to speak up for myself, how to set boundaries, um, and really to ask for help. So when I look at this year, I know that I would be in a very different place emotionally right now if it hadn't been for my friends, for the people that really had my back and supported me and got me through all of the fucking stuff that, you know, kind of came up this year. And yeah, I mean, that was really long-winded, and there was a lot in there. Um, and, you know, there were other things, but, it, it, you know, I think really ultimately at the end of the day, the big thing that the 27 year is about is it's about learning how to be your own parent. And depending on, like, what else is in your chart, right, you know, a lot of my lessons had to do with um, – you know, behaviors and patterns that I picked up in childhood that were no longer serving me. And I think it's important, too, to note that a lot of times our, you know, lunar return lessons have to do with the sign that our natal moon is in. So for me, mine is in Aquarius. I had to learn independence. I had to learn authenticity. Um, I had to learn you know, that it's okay to do things my own way. So I also had a lot of career changes this year. I had to really like come out of the proverbial, you know, spiritual astrology closet and come out and say like, hey, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And I know that it's not what's normal for people in my, 
you know, career community. Um, but this is what I'm doing. Like I really had to, to own it and to move into my full power as an astrologer and um, as somebody who really wants to use mediums like podcasting and blogging to help other people. Um, this was a year of connecting into my authenticity and becoming myself and figuring out what my boundaries are and learning how to take care of myself, right? And, and so that is very aligned with the Aquarius moon. Whereas like, you know, someone with a Capricorn moon, for example. So even like if we look, go back to the same kind of thing, like with Ariel, he has a Capricorn moon. So his lessons you know, are around or were around responsibility, um, integrity, um, being disciplined, learning how to uh, take action on career and, you know, certain different things. So everybody's 27 year looks different and we're all learning different things and working through different things. But the overarching theme really is learning how to nurture and nourish yourself while also uh, being accountable for your actions and your decisions. And ultimately, with those things combined, um, taking emotional responsibility for the way that you and you know, and okay, I, I really want to be mindful of the way that I share these things because I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and start getting scared about turning 27. But, you know, emotionally, we all have certain fears, right? We all have certain things that we're scared of. And for some of us, it's rejection or failure or, um, like not being good enough, things like that, right? And, and so whatever emotional fears you're carrying, um, those will surface. Those will come up during this year because you are learning to be your mother and your father and you're learning how to walk yourself through tough, hard things. Um, you're starting a new emotional cycle. So you want these things to come up so you can look at them. You can like stare them straight in the eye, say, I see you, I hear you. We're going to work through this and we're going to figure it out. And so for me, like my biggest fear has always been abandonment. I've always been scared of, you know, things not working out and of being abandoned, which is why I, you know, had to experience, you know, a heartbreak to this magnitude. It's why I had to, you know, experience some of the other stuff that came up with my, you know, family. It's why I had to learn how to also set boundaries with other people. Because one of the things that comes when you have a fear of abandonment is you also are hypersensitive to the idea of impacting other people in that way. So um, I've always had a hard time setting boundaries with other people or saying no to other people because I didn't want anyone to ever think that I didn't care about them or didn't love them or didn't, you know, whatever. So setting boundaries with my brother was a huge learning for me um, because I had to work through a lot of my own fears in setting those boundaries. Can you see that? There's so much emotional stuff that comes up. And if you're willing to take the challenge of looking at it and sitting with it 
and being with it and sorting it and navigating it, you can come out the other end with a deeper experience of yourself and a deeper level of compassion for yourself. I'm not saying that you'll necessarily get over those fears. Like, I still have some work to do around the abandonment wound and, you know, my attachment style and and some of these different things. Like, there is still work for me to do there. Um, But for the first time, I'm kind of, you know, standing on solid ground, right? And so, If you are 25 or 26 and you're coming up on this year, I don't want you to be scared or nervous or worried because there's so many different ways that this can play out. And, you know, we all know people who go through their 27 year pretty much unscathed. Um, Although it's not common. Most of us will have big stuff that comes up. And so the advice that I give is the same advice that I give for the Saturn return. Um, Really look at the stuff that you don't want to look at and take responsibility for it. And so in this case, the emotional stuff, um, the way you treat yourself, the way you treat other people, um, really look at whether you are acting or behaving in the world, I I don't really like the word word behaving, we're not children, but um, really look at who you want to be. Like, who is your highest self? Who is the person that you would be proud to be? And start looking at whether you are in alignment with that. And I'm not sure that any of us ever get 100% into that. I think, you know, we all have these parts of us that we feel ashamed about. And, um, I'm not sure that that ever goes away. It's just about learning to deal with the shame and to bring the shame to light and to talk about these things. But one of the things that you can do is start to align your actions with who you want to be. So start to behave in the world in a way that um, feels good for you, that feels like it aligns with your values and your sense of integrity and yourself. And you will find that by the time that you hit the 27 year, you won't have as much uh, redirection that has to happen, especially if you're looking at the emotional stuff. You know, this is really a time like before your 27 year is really a time to start the process of reparenting and learning to allow yourself to express your emotions fully. And in that learning how to be a parent for yourself. And when I, you know, talk about boundaries, it's not even just about setting boundaries with other people. It's also about setting boundaries with yourself, learning how to say no to yourself, learning how to do the hard thing that you don't want to do, right? So there is a lot of space for growth before your 27 year. The reason that it was so hard for me is because these were things that I had been running from and pretending not to see for years. And even the things that I thought that I had been looking at, I had been looking at surface level stuff. I was really running from myself and losing myself in other people, which was not fair, you know, and and not even just romantically in other people. Like I was just losing myself in life and in other things in eating bad foods and making bad decisions. Um, you know, I I was not taking good care of myself. So 
you can really get on that and start to prioritize yourself and parent yourself, set boundaries, nurture yourself, all of that stuff. And your 27 year will be a lot easier. If you really resonated with this podcast, with this story, uh, please let me know. Um, let me know what kinds of, you know, content you guys want more information on. I mean, if the 27 year, I'm so annoyed, honestly, that this is not talked about more in astrology, like the Saturn return gets so much space in the astrology community, but it's the 27 year that sets you up for a successful Saturn return. If you don't have a deep connection with your own heart, if you don't have emotional resilience, um, if you don't learn how to go through hard things and to remain connected to yourself through those hard things, your Saturn return will be hard because there will be a lot of external changes that come and you won't be able to handle them. There's a certain emotional resilience and nervous system resilience that you need in order for the Saturn return um, to be the most productive um, that it can be. So the 27 year is really important. And if you guys would like to hear more people's stories about what 27 looked like for them. So, um, you know, if you've been through it, you can at least hear other people talk about what their experiences were. Or if you're about to go through it, you can get more of an idea of what yours might look like. Um, I can definitely have more people on the podcast. Another thing to note is that if you are looking back at this story and this resonates a lot for you, um, there might be some things in your chart that are similar to mine. So some of the things that really played into this that you can look for in your chart um, is the moon conjunct Saturn, the moon square Pluto, um, Pluto opposing Venus, and then sun in the seventh house. Okay, I think that that is enough rambling for today. I hope that this episode really helps you and um, allows you to go through your 27 year or your Saturn return in a way that makes you feel good and connected to your highest self. I love you guys so much and we will be doing another bonus episode, uh, probably an interview, I think, um, this week. Hope you all have a good week and I will chat with you very, very, very soon.